0: Well good morning everybody. It is great to see you guys. If you are new, some of you I've not seen. I've been gone for about two and a half months on a sabbatical. My wife has actually been gone longer because she injured her soul, uh, shoulder like uh, after Christmas and so she had surgery there. It is just great, great to be back. You, you are a special, special people. And I just want to say uh, that The staff has done a phenomenal job. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Teaching and leading the church is, I mean, has grown. All cool things have happened. So thank you, staff. And also board members. Our board members are kind of scattered out here. Uh, I've been in ministry, full-time in ministry, vocational ministry for 42 years. It's the only second time I've had a sabbatical. Thank you, board. I really, really appreciate uh, your trusting the staff as you had and allowing us to do that. Now, you may be wondering, what is a sabbatical? What's supposed to happen on a sabbatical? Well, actually two things. Two goals, really. Anytime somebody takes a sabbatical, one of them is that you get refreshed. And not having day-to-day responsibilities, my mind was not on stuff at church. And so my mind and my soul got refreshed. But it's not just one long vacation. Now, we took some vacation time during that period. But it's also to develop professionally and ministry-wise, which I did. A couple years ago, I started a Ph.D. program at Columbia Biblical Seminary, which is in Columbia, South Carolina, online. And very, very, a very good, uh, solid evangelical seminary. And uh, I'm studying practical theology. That's the degree I'll get. My focus is stress among ministry. And there's a lot of it, just like you face. If you're not in vocational ministry, you also face stress. It's very interesting what I'm learning through this. Now, you may wonder, like, what, what does your day look like on your sabbatical? Well, I'd get up early. I'd work maybe six hours on my PhD. I had a little little room where, where we were. And uh, then sometimes we'd go out to eat. And when, when we would eat, this, this is, this is kind of what happened. I'm going to show you pictures of some of the things that I ate of southern, of southern delicacies. Now, I need to ask you, who knows what this is? But you want to take a guess? Fried catfish. What? Delicious. Now, who knows what this is? Fried okra. Yes. How many? Okay. okay. How many of you have had fried okra before? What? Only like six of you? Oh, man. I knew there was something missing at West Park. I knew it. You have been deprived. I think, uh, Neil, uh, you're in charge of, like the baptism cookout. Could we just maybe have some on the side, some fried okra? Can you take care of that because you've had it before? Okay, yeah. So it is really good stuff. Anyway, so we would go out to eat. After lunch, I'd take a short nap, and then I'd work maybe a couple more hours on my PhD, and then we'd you know, maybe go do something. Now, we stayed in Laurel, Mississippi. Some of you may watch the HGTV program called Hometown. That's Laurel. Cheryl grew up there. Her sister lives there. So we got to stay there. A delightful little little town. Well, I was able to make great progress on my PhD. The data's kind of being run now. Because I actually did a a course during that time, an online course. I taught 25 pastors, and we did pre- and post inventories to see how was this material I was presenting? Did it make a difference in their stress levels? So that's still to come. So we're back. I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do this next year. Some cool, cool things are coming up. Now, today we're going to take a one-week break from the book of Philippians. And I'm going to share with you what I learned on my sabbatical in addition to some other things. So to frame this message, here is the big idea. The big idea is this. If you want to grow spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, which I think everybody wants to do, right? You've got to be a perpetual student, a lifelong learner. Now, I have a question for you. What do students do? What are they supposed to do? Learn. Yeah, I suppose. How many of you are teachers? Teachers out here? Yeah, yeah. You hope, you hope those students are learning. Yeah. Well, when I say student here, I don't mean you have to be sitting in the classroom are in an online classroom. I don't mean that at all. It's certainly one way to be a learner, to be a perpetual learner. Rather, I mean that you are a perpetual student in the classroom of life. That you had this posture. That you had this learning mentality that you're going to learn. You're going to learn about God. You're going to learn from his word. You're going to learn about his creation. See, God created us with this great curiosity to learn about his creation. Pretty much all of the knowledge falls under his created order. Now, it could happen in the class, certainly. It could happen in you know, an online course. See, I'm 67 and i am been getting a PhD and I've already got four other degrees. You're probably wondering, like Cheryl did originally, What are you going to get another degree for? Because I love to learn. I just love the challenge of learning. So, as a part of today's message, I'm going to share what I learned and also how you can become a perpetual learner. And here's my approach to them kind of four parts. First of all, the benefits of being a lifelong learner. Then the biblical basis, because there is a strong biblical basis for this. Then I'm going to share what I learned, but I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to share how you can become a lifelong learner. I have like six suggestions for you. All right, so let's briefly look at what are the benefits of being a lifelong learner. Well, five areas. First of all, is brain health. I have a real interest in the brain. This is the idea of use it or lose it. See, the brain's kind of like a muscle. Unless you use your brain, you're going to lose some cognitive capacity. Uh, Learning can actually slow the inevitable cognitive decline that we all will face. I have some bad news today. When you reach about your mid-20s, it's downhill from there. However, you can slow the process, and learning is one of those ways to do it. Brain health. There's body health. Did you know that that scientists and sociologists, psychologists have found out that a person with a, a learning mentality is healthier than those who aren't learners? Also, mental health. This is amazing. Reading only six minutes a day, that's not social media, but reading, can lower your stress level. How about that? And here's another one. Relational health. The reason that this is true is because when you are a learner and you're in, let's say, conversations with people, you're interested in them. And when somebody senses that you're interested in them, they are drawn to you versus just making it all about me. And here's a final one. Spiritual health. Learning actually feels good because God made us that way. God actually wired our brains that when we learn something new, a spritz of a chemical called dopamine uh, goes through our brain and it actually feels good. Now, some of you may be thinking, uh, Charles, I may, I may take issue with that. that. That accounting course I took in school, that sure didn't feel good. Well, there are some exceptions. And Christine, uh, Christine's an accountant, so is her husband. It probably feels good to you. It does not feel good to the rest of us. It would be, yeah. Anyway, so, so brain health, body health, mental health, relational health, spiritual health. You see, God made us to be learners. He made us to learn about Him. He made us to learn about His creation. He, he gave us this desire, implanted desire. As a matter of fact, Jesus was a perfect model with this learner posture. Scripture speaks often to being teachable, to being a learner. I've got some verses I want to give you here Proverbs 4 5. All through Proverbs, it talks about being this, having this posture of learning. It says, Get wisdom, get understanding. Proverbs 4, 7, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. In other words, there is a cost involved to being a learner. You've got to be intentional, and there's something you're choosing to not do. Esteem her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. Proverbs 9, 9, instruct a wise man, you know, man or woman, and he will be wiser still. That's that posture of wanting to learn. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. James 1, 5, I love this verse here. Read it to yourself. What does it say? It says basically we have these times in life where we don't know the answers. We don't know what to do. And and the scripture says, James wrote, go to God. He's going to show you the way. He's going to teach you. And he's not going to do it begrudgingly. He's not going to say, well, are you coming again? God's not going to do that. 2 Timothy 3.16 speaks about the centrality of God's word, of Scripture to be from what all your other learning to flow from that. All Scripture is God breathed and useful for, for what? Say these out loud with me. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All that is about learning. Now I'm going to give you a verse here next which describes a, a little small church in biblical days off the beaten path. It's, it's nowhere else mentioned in scripture. It's a little tiny church that you would, you would have missed this little road. It's kind of like when you're, when you're traveling, you go through this little, like the one-stop sign towns. It was like this. But there's a little church there that Paul went to and he taught. And he affirmed them for their learning mentality. Here's what he said. Now, the Bereans, that was the group in the little town of Berea, were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, a much more well-known church. Why? For they, the Bereans, received the message with great eagerness. They were really soaking up, but they didn't stop there. They examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. He sensed that right when, right when he was teaching them. They were soaking up, but they didn't just stop there. They carried on their learning and their growth. Now, I've chosen a few verses, kind of my life verses. And this verse, I'm going to put it on the screen right now, is really one of my key life verses. It really is mirrored after the life of Jesus. Luke 252. And Jesus grew and he says these four areas, wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men, four areas. And this, this verse captures the four areas I hope my life will model, that I'm growing in my knowledge, my intellect, that I'm taking care of my body, that I'm growing in that area, that I'm growing spiritually with my relationship with God, and that I'm growing in my relationships with my family and with you and with others. Now, Jesus was the ultimate example of someone who had this learning posture. Now, he was fully God, and he was fully man. And he's humanist, though. He learned all kinds of stuff, new stuff. Like, for example, his dad uh, was a carpenter, and his dad taught him to build things like this, like a table or a chair. He's his human father, Joseph. When he was a boy, he voraciously learned about the Jewish law and about the Old Testament, about their traditions. In fact, so much so, there's a little episode in the book of Luke that describes this. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter two, or in your, your Bible app, we're going to look at that just briefly and to see how Jesus modeled this learning posture. Uh, Luke 2, and we're going to look first at, starting at verse 41. So he writes, every year, his parents, Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. Now, if you were a good Jew, you'd try to go to three, there were three key festivals. There was this one, the Feast of the Passover. There was Pentecost and Tabernacle. So these were three kind of festivals. And if you were a good Jew, you went to these. If you could only go to one, you went to the Passover, which was obviously held in Jerusalem. It was the largest. And it was kind of like uh, life for an American around and, and New Year's Eve. The place to be, if you have the wherewithal, is where? Times Square you know see the ball dropping this was kind of like what it was like there for, the, for a Jew and the city exploded from 20 to 30,000 in population to probably 150,000 now the Passover celebrates what the rescue of the Hebrew people under Pharaoh under that bondage and it speaks of uh, when the death angel passed over and when the Hebrews had put blood on the door frames of their home by sacrificing a lamb that Uh, death did not come to their home. And that portrayed looking ahead when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood and rose from the dead. If we place our trust in him, death, eternal death will pass over us. So he says in verse 42, when he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it that his parents were unaware that he was still back in Jerusalem because they traveled in caravans. It wasn't just like you, uh, you and your, your spouse and your kid got in the car or on the buggy or whatever and you went. No, you went in groups with family and friends. So he had this large group that were probably spread out, you know, over a kilometer or two. So they're going in this caravan and verse 44 says, thinking he was in their company. That is, Mary thought Jesus was Joseph, was Joseph and Joseph thought Jesus was with Mary. They both thought they were Jesus with the other one. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. So for a day, they traveled a day from Jerusalem without knowing where Jesus was or thinking they knew where he was, but he really wasn't with them. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, now this is four days now, four days they hadn't found Jesus. Okay. Okay. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers. This is what teachers would do. The rabbis would sit in the temple courts, listening to them and answer, asking them questions. And then here's what is so amazing. This is verse 47. I'm going to put it on the screen. He says, everyone who heard him, that is Jesus, was what? Amazed at his understanding. And his answers. Now, Jesus was not asking fifth grade questions. Now, if you're a fifth grader, fifth grade questions are not bad. Okay, so I'm not minimizing that. But these questions revealed a depth of knowledge and a learning mentality that the average person had never seen before. It absolutely amazed them. Now, have any of you ever lost your kid like at the mall or camping? Anybody ever lost your kid before for a short time? Yeah, i see a few of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the time, it's the kid's fault. right? Well, Josh, our son, uh, when we lived in Georgia, we looked around like, where's Josh? I say, sure, where's Josh? I don't know. Where is Josh? He would just disappear. He was like eight or nine years old. He would just disappear. Not tell us. We found out later on that he'd been going down to the creek and meeting his friend there. Now, we weren't real happy about that. If you've lost your kid, you probably weren't very happy either. Well, it says in verse 48, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. You know, you could read in all kinds of things there. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why are you searching for me? He asked. Now, he's not being disrespectful. Well, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Now, this is not his human father, but his heavenly father. Verse 50, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Because he began to reveal some things to them. And they were still un- trying to understand, who is this child? And we, we, there are things about him that are like, uh, I don't know. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. That's the backdrop for this verse here. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So Jesus, we see early in life, he modeled for us his teachable learner's heart. When Jesus was in his public ministry, how he taught, we also see that. He had this amazing way to capture the attention of his audience and to, to encourage their learning stance. He used phrases like this, I tell you, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, listen and understand. So what he was doing is he was capturing their attention and fostering this uh, learning mentality to learn about the way, Christianity. In fact, Jesus was so effective at this that thousands of people would come and hear him. It got so tough sometimes that they would crowd against him that one time he was at the Sea of Galilee and he had to get in a boat and go out a little ways for a new platform because he couldn't speak to all the people. So what we have here is a strong biblical basis for this learning uh, perspective, this learning uh, idea. Back again to the big idea. So if you want to grow spiritually and mentally and emotionally, you need to be a student. You need to be a lifelong learner. So what did I learn? Well, first of all, I'm going to share with you now is not like some like, oh, that's just like, I never thought about that before. (laughs) I think probably I knew these things, but being in an extended time without having responsibility reminded me of them. And here's the first one I was reminded how much I love my wife, Cheryl, and how she is my best friend. I love you, babe. We just spent time together. We laughed. We were goofy. It was a wonderful, wonderful time to spend extended time with Cheryl. But I want to say to you, those you love the most, cherish that time. Don't neglect that relationship. Make sure that relationship doesn't slip to second, third, or fourth priority. Make sure it's number one next to your relationship with God. Now, Here's the second thing I learned. I must stop constantly, being constantly driven to do the next thing. I'm a goal-oriented person, type A. I'm always going, always thinking fast, I'm always doing fast. Even if I don't have a task in front of me, like on vacation or, or like a, on my day off. It's kind of like, have you ever, do we, do we even have AM stations now? Do we still have AM radio stations? We do? Okay, yeah, I never listen to radio much. so But anyway, if you try to tune into an AM station at night and it's not real strong, you get the static, you can barely hear it. What this is for me is kind of like this static, this message that's constantly kind of you can, I'm aware of it. It's like, you got to go do something. You need to go do something else. And it constantly has been playing in my mind. I realized that, you know, I I need to dial that down. Now, in fact, the only things that I really do uh, slowly are eat and drive. Drive Cheryl crazy. Anyway, uh, this is, uh, I need to kind of, you guys to tell me this is like dad or, or not dad. Maybe I've shared this with you before, but I'll be on the 401. You know, the speed limit is 100 kilometers per hour. And uh, when I got here, somebody told me, "Hey, you, you can go like 115. They won't catch it. Well, I'm not going to risk that. So I, I will go 107. Okay, that's about it, 107. And I can't stand it when somebody tailgates me. I just do not like it. And so somebody comes up behind me, and they're trying to make me go faster. Well, and here's what I need your evaluation I, I slow down. <laughs> I just wanted to make them obey the law. <laughs> so I slow down. You know, they're, and I really love it when they pull out and they kind of zip by me, but they get behind the slower car and then I drive up. And... <laughs> is, is that sinful? <laughs> but I've just, I got it. Stop being constantly driven to do the next thing. Now, here is a cousin to this one. I must regularly slow down my inner world. Now, in Mississippi, the pace is very slow, not quite that slow. But it's really slow, and people will, they'll just strike up a conversation. Told a total stranger, some of you checking out, you're in the line at, you know, Walmart, somebody just start talking to you. Cheryl was, she was in Walmart, i get glasses, and this lady was trying some glasses, and she said, how does this look on me? They just want to talk to you. And you get involved in these conversations, and like, in my mind, though, because I'm a fast-paced person, I'm going to keep going, I talk fast, I go fast, all those sort of things, in my mind, I'm saying... Will you hurry up? I have things to do. Well, God convicted me. That's wrong. Because what it's doing is it's, it's diminishing that person's value because it's like, well, this is all about me at this moment. Will you just please hurry up so I can get going? And so he convicted me that I've really got to slow down my inner role because I'm not respecting him. Jesus was all, he had this agenda much more um, uh, weighty than our agenda Yet he was always present for people. He was always present for them. So here's the next one. Again, this is a cousin to this one. When I do slow down, here's what happens. God will provide divine moments of ministry. And we miss so many of those because they're just little... Whispers of opportunities. Well, I actually had to take a, a trip on, on a, a flight by plane and I got back late at night. I still had a couple hours to drive, I think, or maybe I stayed there. But anyway, the van picked me up at the airport to take me to the uh, yeah, where apartment car, that's it, not the hotel, where I parked my car. And I was tired. I didn't want to talk to anybody, and the driver wanted to strike up a conversation that I did not want to do. But, you know, the Holy Spirit just prompted me, said, Charles, you need to have the conversation with this guy. So he shared with me that he had he'd lost his mother that he loved very much recently. He had some real health issues. And uh, that just opened up a door for having some, some gospel conversations. When we pulled in, he stopped where my car was. I was just prompted to say, sir, may I pray for you? Nobody else was in the van, so it wouldn't have been kind of awkward for him. He said, yes, would you please? So I prayed for him, prayed a gospel prayer. And that was a divine moment for him and for me. And unfortunately, I I feel like I missed too many of those. But I've got to slow down my inner world so that I don't miss these wonderful opportunities. Here's the next one I learned. I must listen. Actually, I ought to say I must listen more to my body. I've always prided myself in taking good care of my body. I exercise, I eat right, Yeah, except maybe fried fried catfish. But anyway, on the whole, I eat right. I manage my stress. And I shared a video a couple of weeks ago about a health issue I had that delayed our return in a little over a week. And I want to give you a recap if you didn't see that. We were on vacation, and that morning I'd done a really, really intense workout. Probably the most heaviest workout I'd done for like couple of years, really intense workout. Then we went to the beach and we had paid to, you know, have an umbrella and a chair. Well, everybody got there first and got the umbrellas. We didn't have an umbrella. So we're sitting out there just cooking, just baking. And all of a sudden, I just got really lightheaded. I think Shirley gone on the water. I got really lightheaded and I sat down like, whew, what's going on here? I stood up again and I just, I just couldn't hardly walk. Well, I was able to drag our chair underneath some shade. I just sat there. And my Apple Watch can do an EKG, ECG, like a thirty-second one. It can tell you if you have an AFib episode. That's arrhythmia. It's when your your heart does crazy things. Well, I was having an AFib episode. I'd never had that before. It's like, what? And I told Cheryl, and we were both like, oh my. Well, it stopped. Just poof. Just stopped after like two hours. Saw a doctor shortly after that. He did a full uh, ECG. He said, your heart looks good, but when you get back, you need to go see a cardiologist. So we got back to Mississippi, made an appointment with a cardiologist. And uh, I, he, I explained the situation. He said, well, let's do a treadmill test. So a few days later, we did a treadmill test. This is when you're on your treadmill. They're taking blood pressure and they have all these things stuck on you, you know, and like you're you trying to get your heart rate up. Well... Uh, the heart rate, when it got up, it showed some, some abnormalities. And uh, two, two or three days later, I met with a cardiologist. He said, there's a 90% chance you have a blockage. And this is called the widowmaker. Sher was sitting right next to me. Is there a better description than that? I guess he was really trying to emphasize what needs to be done. A few days later, had an angiogram done. Angiogram, you may have had it done through your groin or through your le- through your arm. But anyway, they stick a wire in there and they, they inject some dye in, take some pictures, and they can tell if it's blocked. And he was surprised. There's no blockage. You know, praise God, no blockage. So we had that episode. Now, with that in mind, you remember about a year, um, What is this, maybe a year ago, a little over a year ago, I was found to have prostate cancer. Had surgery, and all the tests are good, so I'm good there. So in a period of 18 months, I had cancer. I had this heart episode, and it reminded me that I'm not invincible. (laughs) I'm really not. Even though I do my best to take care of my body, I'm not invincible. Aging does take its toll on the human body. So I'm I'm afraid to say that, folks, no more Cheetos, And no more okra, except sometimes. So with that as a backdrop, I want to go back to something I've done pretty much every year, except maybe during COVID. I may have, if you're new, I'll explain what this this is. You all remember this? Anybody remember that? Yeah, okay. So when I came 10 years ago, I told the board, I said, you know, I think I probably have 10 years of full-time energy and focus and cognitive capacity to lead well as lead pastor. And so what I did was I actually got these bunch of marbles over at Michael's, I think. And uh, I got like 50, uh, 52 times 10 is like, okay, 520. Is that right? Yeah, I don't have my calculator. You you forget to add and do that kind of stuff when you, when you get older. Like, anyway, okay. So that was full, like over 500 marbles. And so every week, what i do? And I'm doing it right now. I reach into one. And I'd drop a marble there. This is the past. uh, And this reflects the future. And I would do that to remind myself to keep perspective. You know, we all have bad weeks sometimes. In fact, this has been a great journey here with you guys. You guys are great (laughs) great pastor. But some weeks can be bad. And it helped remind me to keep perspective. And also simply to be thankful for the opportunity to serve with you. So I've done that. Now, if you'll notice... There's a bunch more here than here. That's about a year's worth of marbles left, which you know brings us to about, about 10 years. And one of the things, as I've shared this in the past, is that one of my goals is that there's a good succession plan in place. That whoever and whatever shape it takes steps into my shoes, it'll be seamless. Just like I was gone like two and a half months, staff did great, things just went well. That's one of my... One of my goals. So the the board is actually going to be working on a succession process and uh, just be praying for them as as they begin to collectively pull their wisdom together on that. All right, so what did I learn? And to recap that, I was reminded how much I love my wife, and she is truly my best friend. I must stop being constantly driven to do the next thing. The cousin to that, I must regularly slow down my inner world. When I do slow down, here's what God's going to do for you and for me. He'll provide these divine moments of ministry, and we must listen to our bodies. Now, this message is not meant to be all about me, what Charles learned. But I want to challenge you. I'm going to give you some suggestions right now how you can build into your life this learning uh, posture. All right? So, how to become a lifelong learner. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As I go through these, I'm going to give them to you one at a time, then I'm going to put them on the whole, whole slide together. I want you to pick one or two. Pick one or two that resonates with you, that you can say, you know, Charles, I think that is doable for me. I do want to become a lifelong learner. I better a lifelong learner, and I'm going to do one or two of these. So here's number one. Slow down to notice what's happening in the moment. Just slow down. Half dozen times in scripture it says be still. Psalms 46 says be still and know that I am God. It's physical stillness, but it's also interior stillness. Slow down to notice what's happening around you. Slow down to be present in the moment to that person, that other person. So that's the first one. Second is ask more questions. Ask more questions. What do I mean by this? Well, I was, I was maybe a couple weeks ago and Cheryl was talking to somebody that she knew in Laurel. And I was sitting in the den with her while she was talking. And as I was li- kind of halfway listening, I kind of gathered that one of the first questions this the pre- person asked was the perfunctory, you know, how are things going? And Cheryl, you know, maybe shared a minute. And then Cheryl didn't say anything for like 45 minutes going on there? I asked her, you know, about the cost. She says, well, so and so, once she asked me how I was doing, she just talked for 45 minutes. Just talked about her. So, what I'm saying here is if you have a tendency to just talk about yourself, there's a little acronym that I want to suggest. And here is the acronym. It's W-A-I-T. And here's what the acronym stands for. Why am I talking? (laughs) So if you find yourself in that situation where you're just just stop and ask yourself that question. Why am I talking? Maybe I just need to zip it. Okay. Ask more questions. Number three, relish the fact that God designed us to be learners. He made us with a hunger for him. He made us with a hunger to understand who he is and who Jesus is and how he works in our life through his word. He made us a hunger to to be curious about his amazing creation. I said a moment ago, all of the knowledge falls under God's created order. He made us to thirst to be learners. We're made that way. Here's number four. Read more. And I don't mean just more social media. (laughs) Read more. Read God's word more. Read books more. If you're not a reader, uh, listen to books on uh, on Audible. You can purchase books that are narrated or or listen to podcasts. Read more. Finally, not finally, every day write down one new thing you learn. However you do it, write down one new thing you learn every day. Before you go to bed, write it down. This is one new thing I learned today. And then here's one. Don't let age become an excuse to stop learning. I, when I put this message together, I Googled this, and this, this thing popped up. It said the 20 oldest recorded college graduates. It was amazing. And then here's one of them. This is Doretha Daniels. She got her college degree at age 99. Don't ever tell me you're too old to learn. And if you're just graduating from high school or college, you ain't finished learning yet either. Don't stop your learning just because you have the piece of paper on the wall. So here's the entire list. How to become a lifelong learner. Slow down to notice what's happening in the moment. Slow down. Number two, ask more questions. What does weight stand for? Why am I talking? <laughs> Relish the fact that God designed us to be learners. He wired us this way. It's part of the beautiful part of our having bodies and brains and minds and, and, and senses so that we can learn about his creation. We can learn about him. Read more. Every day write down one new thing you learned. Don't let age become an excuse to stop learning. So I learned, I learned a lot on my sabbatical. But learning's not reserved for a sabbatical or for the classroom. It's for the classroom of life because God designed us to be lifelong learners. So here's one question that I want you to ask yourself. Here it is. What will I do next week to become a better lifelong learner? So what you gonna do? I'm glad you're here. I good worship and you guys laughed at my jokes. It's like, wow, y'all, y'all got more laughing or something. got But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that we take to heart this whole thing and this learning posture because we are made to learn, to learn about God, to learn about his creation. So what is one thing you will do next week? Whatever that is, here's what you need to do. Write it down somewhere where you'll see it every day and tell somebody else say hey i went to church on sunday and uh this preacher got back and he was he was really animated and he was talking about learning and he challenged us to pick one thing to learn here's or how to be a better learner he said here's what i did he told me to tell somebody would you just like in a week ask me how did that go You tell you what it'll increase the chances that you begin to do that very thing let's pray Father, we come before you. Thank you that we can call you Father. You're perfect, Father. You're perfect in every way. You love us. You know our needs before we even ask you to meet our needs. You've met our ultimate spiritual need by sending your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for us and rose from the dead. And if you're here this morning, you've never come to a relationship with Jesus, Jesus says, place your faith in me. Turn from your sins. Place your faith in me, and I will forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life. If you've never done that, you can simply tell Jesus something like this. Jesus, I turn from my sins. I repent of my sins. I believe you died for me on the cross and that you rose from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. I place my faith in you. I want to become your follower. And Lord, for those here this morning that have trusted Christ, may we take this message to heart and may we Become lifelong learners because you made us that way, you wired us that way. Thank you for wiring us that way. We pray this in your name, amen.